Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. We are recording today from the Plainfield Christian Science Church, Plainfield, New Jersey, in the United States of America. And we're so glad you could join us today for our subject on Christ Jesus. And we'll, we will begin with our morning prayer. I'm reading from page 63 of Divinity Course and General Collectania. This is a prayer for oneself given by Mary Baker Eddy. I thank thee, Father, Mother, God, that neither ignorant, fraudulent, nor malicious mortal mind can reach me or affect me mentally, physically, financially, or otherwise. And I know it. For God is the only power that I am not the victim of aggressive mental suggestion nor the target of malicious animal magnetism, claiming to operate through any channel whatever. But I am the blessed legal child of God, spiritual, immortal, all harmonious, perfect, happy, healthy, pure, sinless, free, and fearless and diseaseless and deathless, expressing the substance of all good. Hold yourself constantly and consciously under God's eternal law of blessing, of happiness, harmony, health, peace, joy, power, progress, protection, abundance. There is no other law, only a contrary mortal mind line, which you are awake and alleged to and not under. Again, by Mary Baker Eddy. Beautiful. Thank you very much. All right, the watching point, Karen. Watching point 18. Watch left false theology, which is constantly at one's heels to tempt one on his heavenly journey, cause you to continue to conceive of prayer as merely petition rather than desire, realization, and affirmation as a means of getting something you do not now possess and perhaps do not really need, rather than the scientific process which opens man's eyes to the knowledge that he now possesses all good in reflection. This difference might be illustrated by one waiting for a postman to deliver an expected package instead of discovering that it has long since been delivered. True prayer is the right desire, which leads man to make a scientific effort to banish from thought all sense of the reality of material testimony as evidence of a limited and mortal status for man, that he may gain the realization that since he is God's reflection, the allness of all good is his present possession now. Moreover, it is his privilege and obligation to reflect this good to all mankind. Mrs. Eddy once said, quote, after making your affirmations of good and denials of error, until your thought is clear and true, go farther and give thanks that while you did wait, you did receive what you asked. Go not back to asking, but continue to give thanks. 
that you have received, end quote. Since God is both father and mother, one might say that we approach him from the masculine as well as the feminine standpoint. One is the head, the other the heart. One reason and the other revelation. One utilizes the power of God with authority. The other kneels humbly at the throne of God, yearning and asking for more of his grace. Those who confine their prayers to the head are apt to take too much to themselves and feel that they are accomplishing the works. Those who pray wholly with the heart with the heart are apt to leave the entire work to God. But the right proportion causes God and man to work in unison. As Mrs. Eddy once said, quote, God's business is to heal, and man's business is to let him. End quote. Thank you. <clears throat> Any comments on that? Well, I just know before coming here that um, prayer, I, I didn't really, you know, growing up in Christian science, I never thought false, or, uh, false theology was any, you know, I don't believe in that. It's, I was raised in Christian science, but it's very subtle. And just using prayer to to ask God for help, to ask God to heal something, it's false theology. It's pleading with him to please, this is my need, please fill it. Or, and that is so not, it's not how Jesus taught us to pray or Mary Baker Eddy. So it's to it's acknowledgement of absolute perfection, Mrs. Eddy says. And that is so different. And it's, it's wonderful how Christian science brings that out, that that true prayer is to acknowledge that now we have all that we ever need. And we just got to remove the false or material testimony that tells us otherwise. but. We have it all right now because God is all. We're his reflection. Thank you very much. Yeah, this is a very hugely important watching point for that reason. Um, because so many people, <clears throat> even those I know in, in Christian science, still plead with God rather than uh, knowing it's it's not a pleading prayer. It's a prayer of affirmation. And it's very important that we understand this and apply it. And who who was it that, uh, you know, that quote from her, after making your affirmations of good and denial, denials of error until your thought is clear and true, go farther and give thanks that while you did wait, you did receive what you asked. Go not back to asking, but to c continue to give thanks that you have received. Who did that? Um, what's a, a great example of that? Jesus before he raised Lazarus. He Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Jesus in raising Lazarus. He gave thanks. So it's a good uh, good um, example of it. Um, recognition that Young talks about in finance. Thank you. Yes. Yes. I sent this watching point just recently to someone. She's not a Christian scientist, but she's asked me about how to pray because she's understanding now it's not a matter of pleading and begging and <laughs> hoping and wishing. So you already have it. You already have all good. Yeah. Well, you, you say you already have it. <laughs> right. 
But we do, we do at times need to ask God to remind us of what it is that we have. Because we sometimes forget. Because when we're facing a problem, we're facing a problem, we're seeing something incorrectly, and we need to ask for guidance to see it correctly. When Jesus healed Lazarus, he he was working to see Lazarus correctly, and he and he did. Everybody around him did not. And that is why he wept. And he thanked God that he was able to see Lazarus correctly. And that is what we that is what we go to God for when we have a problem in in prayer. Is to ask God to show us what is true and right what is already there, what already has been there and and never left, is what we're asking to be able to see correctly. And also, I think for things like humility and more grace, we can ask in in more of a petition form. Exactly. We're we're not asking him for things. We're not bringing him a to-do list, as I say. And... uh, First, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You're adding, yeah, a little more grace, a few truths tenderly told, or uh, a deeper understanding of God. These are the things we we ask for. Thank you, Florence. Help thou my unbelief. Help thou, yeah, my unbelief. Yes, and as we gain in that, as we gain in grace, we will... We'll have certainly everything we need, and we'll see it's truly all around us. We were never lacking because we have a very abundant God. Um, and also one thing I found helpful, too, is to since we talk about these uh, appearances as lies about the truth, I, I also helped me to say this is pointing. It's looking right at truth and telling a lie about it. So what is the truth that is being lied about? And that that helps me to to get more right right where the what is the truth about this? Right. Yeah. Right where that seeming problem is. is yeah. The presence and power of. Yeah, and it is specific work for each situation that you're in, and everything is different. You can't cover everything with a blanket statement that God is all. Therefore. You know, come on, you know, (laughs) free me from this problem. That doesn't work. And we need to be very careful that we don't glibly go around saying, "Okay, well, you know, God is all and I'm perfect now. So um, so I have nothing to to do. Well, we do have something to do. I think beyond. I'm sorry. And we have to be very specific about it. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I think the understanding of God is all that makes us come, you know, pray with understanding and revelation. Like, okay, I understand because God is all, I am perfect. And that perfection includes all the the um, qualities that are, are listed, Mrs. Eddie gives us. And that's the understanding 
in which we we want the revelation from that we are perfect. So it's then it, we are doing it like this point uh, watching point says we are doing it with both understanding and with the revelation. Thank you. It's like wiping the dust off the mirror. Your reflection is there. <laughs> Excuse me, of God. <laughs> And you just have a little dust on it. You got to clean it off because it's right there. Yes. We have um, several articles about this. One, Bigdell Young, when you say, I want, um, you know, when you say, I want, it, it implies you don't have. So that's not a good way to speak, really. I didn't bring that article, but there's another one also by Mrs. Eddie called possession and she says practicing or practice having a sense of possession of all things taking possession of what god gives us is the step leading to god giving us what we desire if you take possession of what is at hand for you it becomes the loaves and fishes for you the basis of multiplication jesus first question was how many lo loaves have you you must first have the consciousness of something to multiply. Keep practicing. This is mine until the spirit of possession is gained and you will feel all things are mine. It goes on. But remember, we talked about this in that the loaves and the fishes, how that was brought about and how it was beautifully portrayed in the chosen. Um, yeah. So what do you have in the house? You take what you do have and then work with that and expand and expound on it and, it. and it will grow. It has to. It's the truth. And, you know, one of the aspects of false theology uh, while we're on that subject is the idea that God is somehow somewhere else. And I have to, you know, I have to yell at him or I have to, you know, try to bring him or get closer to him or whatever. And and that's, you know, the Lord's Prayer says, thy kingdom is come, thou art ever present. That's the starting point, is that we are never, ever separate from God, even though it might appear, you know, we got a problem and God's not there taking care of it for us. It, we don't think anyway. Well, that's the lie. That's the false theology. That somehow we have to find God somewhere outside of us. That's never the case. Our prayer is to reaffirm God's all presence with us. And we have to feel God's presence with us. We have to feel his love. If we don't feel it, we haven't gotten there yet. All right. Well, this morning we have three surprise visitors. I'll let them introduce <laughs> themselves. Yeah, well, my name yes. is Bonnie Larson, and we're from, um, for, I'm from First Church of Christ Scientists in Providence. Okay. And I'm Frank von Holzhausen from the Guilford Church. Where I'm in Connecticut. Connecticut, 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 but Connecticut, you're, you're Rhode Island. Rhode Island. Rhode Island. And 
Yeah. They just yeah. picked me up along the way. <laughs> <laughs> but you said you were the driver, so yeah. <laughs> the designated driver. Uh -huh. <laughs> so Bonnie, Frank, and Nancy Shem, and then from the Providence Church also. Oh. Well, Providence, Rhode Island, is dear to us because that's where Gilbert Carpenter was from. Right. Exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. We're aware of that. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we welcome you. Thank you for coming and visiting us. I would like to say that uh, Andrew Hartsook was the one that kind of opened up the doors for us to come here. Oh. I don't know if you're aware of him. In, in, uh, he's had a more recent banner publication, but the one prior to that, he was commenting on your church and that he had visited here and was, was you know, oh, yes. so impressed with right. yeah, We yeah. remember him well. Yeah, we do. Yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. It's a good man. Yeah. Very grateful How for the banner. answer his phone? He doesn't. <laughs> Nobody answers their phone. <laughs> that's true. I know. That's the only way you can reach him, too. 10 seconds, so I did three real quick, but I haven't heard that from Oh, well, well he'll, he will answer. Will. Maybe he's out of town. I'll try again. <laughs> All right. Well, we have this beautiful lesson on Christ Jesus. I call it a um, mixture of everything. We've got the Lord's Prayer. We've got the Beatitudes. We've got Doctrine of Atonement. We've got Gethsemane. <laughs> it's got a little bit of everything and it's very beautiful. So the golden text. Carol, would you read that? I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me, Christ Jesus. Yes. Um, you want to speak to this, Craig? Well, in modern language, I think that's the secret to anyone's success. Find out what God wants you, has created you for, and to work with them until it's done. Uh, and he was, Christ Jesus realized his source. And this, I'm sure the science what was going on with him and he step by step worked to bring it forth so everyone could see yeah yeah he never claimed any credit for anything did he he was always mm -hmm. turning your thought back to god he had the greatest sense of humility and for us to to do anything of importance we must have that too and anything that of importance that has ever been done is done with that great sense of humility. Um, Carrie has sent me once again some beautiful articles. This one from our dear friend, Reverend, Reverend Irving C. Tomlinson, an 1898 issue of the journal. <clears throat> Did not Jesus speak of himself both as son of man and, son, and as son of God? And it, is it not clear that it is the son of God who is the savior how plainly Jesus states that on the human side, he possessed no saving quality. He says, I can of mine own self do nothing. Again, he insists, the word which ye hear is not mine, but the father's which sent me. Every instance of reformation, every case of healing, every good work accomplished. In fact, every demonstration which he made, he ascribed not to himself, but to his father. For said he, the father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. And that um, 
the lesson in the Bible ends with those three very important statements that you've all been given to work with often because they're powerful. Mrs. Evans had given them to us years ago. And that first one stating your unity with God, your oneness with the Father. I and my Father are one. Um, he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone. And the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. So remember that. I mean, actually, it's an answer to anything. If you're ever feeling alone or you're ever feeling like you can't do something, uh, you declare these statements. They're powerful, they're true, and, and it will work. And you don't just use them once. Use them throughout the day. They're all from the chapter John in the Bible. Good way to know if you're coming in your own name or not. Thank you. Yeah, because Jesus did all this and said all this as an example for us. I mean, a lot of people have this, you know, crazy idea that somehow he was a magic show and that we couldn't ever live up to what he, you know, told us to live up to. But that's not the case. That's false theology. This is an example for us. I mean, it's, you know, it just opens up all kinds of possibilities. And we each have this divine purpose. And he spared us no responsibility. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> exactly. He sure didn't. Nancy, you wrote, sent me something about I and my father are one. You want to? You don't have uh, to yeah. the whole thing, sure. but just tell us. Uh, Okay. Well, I liked what Bicknell uh, Young said um, when he discussed that citation. He said, Jesus said, I and my father are one. He made a statement, which is the basis of existence, which I really loved thinking about that. And why, why are we one? Because God is mind. And the answer is, it is mind as mind, consciousness that man is. That God is our mind, and this is how and where this oneness takes place. And I'd just like to read, because I love what Mrs. Eddy says about this. Um, in Science and Health on page 361, I and my Father are one, that is, one in quality, not in quantity. As a drop of water is one with the ocean, a ray of light one with the sun. Even so, God and man, Father and Son are one in being. And I've always loved that. Thank you. Yes. Mm -hmm. And um, that, uh, that I guess it's an article. It's a long article, but Bicknell Young's article, Oneness, is, as I've said, it's, it's so amazing, truly. You're not appealing to something outside yourself. When you're knowing your oneness with God, um, you're good because God is good. <laughs> You express intelligence because the intelligence comes from God. It's declaring that oneness. And it's it's very important we understand this. I really didn't, uh, to the extent I should have, until I read that article. It was like a real eye-opener for me. And so uh, all of these early workers who knew Mrs. Eddy or worked in her home, um, who were taught by her, they are like her disciples, and they have so much good to offer. And thank God we have these books and all of this wonderful literature and that we're free now to read it 
Um, it's, it's quite wonderful. I guess maybe at this point I will mention something. Uh, yesterday we had the Bible study and, uh, Kiri sent me, we talked, somehow we got into it, that uh, about Mrs. Eddy being the woman in the apocalypse. So, and uh, I know Linda had said that she had not been taught that in her class teachings. And Karen had said something that uh, there was a lot of resistance to accepting that. So anyway, Carrie had sent me, which I can't seem to find right now, but... Maybe I can. Anyway, she sent me something. She thought it was important that in 1942 and in 1962 in the Sentinel, the board of directors said that they do acknowledge Mrs. Eddy as the woman in the apocalypse. It was very well written. It was just like a page and a half or something. So I was very glad to see that. Um, I don't understand then what the confusion is going on or why an authorized teacher wasn't taught it or why... They did not keep the Bliss Nap book in the reading rooms for sale. But, hey, what like do I know? Like they promised they would. <laughs> like they made a promise to him. <laughs> so I think it's led to some confusion. But as we know, and I, I've said this once before, you don't say I'm, you know, you don't say I'm Mary. And I, I think that Mrs. Eddy is the woman in the apocalypse. <laughs> it is something that you it has to dawn upon your consciousness. You have to understand it. It's a great deep truth. And maybe there are many people who still don't believe that. But eventually everyone will have to because it happens to be the truth. So um, do you want to say any more about that? No, it's just it's it's one of those things that as you grow in science, you recognize that it can't be anything other any other way that what revelation is talking talking about is science and health with key to the scriptures which mrs eddy says is the final revelation and how could she not be the person the woman in revelation if this is the final revelation and we know it to be because we experience it we demonstrate it we study it and we live it and that is how we come to know that the woman in Revelation can't be anybody but Mrs. Eddy. And in the statement by the board of directors, I mean, they go into how important it is to, to know it and to, to acknowledge it and for healing uh, to take place. So, like I said, I'm, ha I'm happy about that. Um, it also means that as we are uh, putting forth these biographies, by Mrs. about Mrs. Eddy, uh, claiming that fact, there won't be shouldn't be any resistance from the organization anyway. We're gonna as, as we talked about yesterday, we're gonna put her biographies out in audio. Um, it's just another progressive step that our church does. We have pamphlets actually that were passed out in the forties. Oh, were uh, there? They, was in, in this church, and Tom actually sent us some things too, and. In the Sentinel, so we had. I wasn't aware of the 1962 article, but the 40s. We have the little tiny pamphlet that they actually sent out to the members, and then well, stopped printing it. Yeah, yeah. And that thing from the 40s says that she is. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. The one that they originally, what she was talking about in the article from 1942. That's a little card that has the 
six reasons or whatever. They had a whole committee and everything that they had put together. Um, and Tom gave us some information. I can look for it. Well, good for them. That's good. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that and just be consistent in it. But right. as I said, it's nothing. You, yeah, you can't shove it down someone's throat. But right. it's uh, nor brag about it either. It's mm-hmm. something you quietly know. Uh, there's a lot to said about not deifying Mrs. Eddy. I hear that a lot. I mean, I, I honestly, I don't think I know of anyone that's deified her, but that was the reason they blew up the, the marker at bow. That's the reason I, they gave, I think for tearing down pleasant view. It's the reason they've done a lot of things because heaven forbid you deify Mrs. Eddy. Um, but there has to be a right sense there and we certainly don't want to forget or have her name just washed out or reconstructed as we talked about in the Bible study yesterday where she they're claiming that she does and is something that she's not so it's very important we keep this right sense of her going and uh, may I ask a question I, think to, I mean if we're just really respecting some her and reverencing the truth that she's given mankind. I mean, I don't see what the deification is. Here. I honestly don't either, but go ahead. Nancy had um, a question. I just think that the problem maybe is a little bit of personal sense. I mean, do you, you're um, suggesting that she is the fulfillment of that prophecy, correct? Right. That her place is, I mean, people get a little mixed up about thinking that that was her. In a personal sense. Well, and, and that's another thing that people don't seem to understand, which is why we have these roundtables every week. This personal sense, they don't know what it is. Um, and, and when you're in a personal sense of things, you deify, maybe you, you would deify Christ. We're not to deify anybody, right? Mm-hmm. That's a personal sense. The only God is good. God is God. He's the only one we worship. <clears throat> but if you don't understand that, you will fall into it. And I'm sure there are people that do. Well, Which is why it's important to have the proper teaching and understanding of Christian science so that doesn't happen. Yeah, she she is the one in Revelation, just mm-hmm. as Jesus mm-hmm. was the man mm-hmm. in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He he That's was right. the person. He 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 uh, implored everybody all the time not to deify him. Mrs. Eddy implored everybody all the time not to deify her. Yeah, he was the fulfillment of a mission that God gave him. Mrs. Eddy was the fulfillment of a mission that God gave her. They were both prophesied. Isaiah prophesied the coming of Jesus. Jesus prophesied the coming of Mrs. Eddy to fulfill his prophecy of the comforter. But it's important to recognize that these are people who had a divine mission. They were at one with God. They fulfilled their mission. Each one of us has a divine mission. And if we don't take it personally, we're going to miss our divine mission. I like that idea very much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They are examples for us Mm -hmm. of fulfilling a divine mission, which we all have. That's why we're here. And also, I think another important point to Mrs. Longyear asked Mrs. Eddy if she could recommend a Christian science practitioner 
for her for long. And she said, as long, find someone that knows the history of Christian science, the real, the, the true history. And, and so, you know, the tearing down of these, you know, there's a, a, a pleasant view, which was so important or loved by Mrs. Eddy so much. I we just, anyway, there is, we have to know the history, just like we know the history of Christ Jesus. Um, we have to know the history of, of Christian science. And uh, it's, um, so Mrs. Eddy says it. That's, that's good enough yes. for me. <laughs> well, yes, but that statement is, is in the, quote, unauthorized literature, so right. most people don't know it. But I do. I mention that often because most people think, you know, your practitioner mm-hmm. well, could be loving or something. It was unusual that she would say that they know the history of our church and of me. So why is that so important? Just what we're talking about, to understand the history to what what went on, who and what she is, enables your healing ability. Um, it's, It's highly important. And so many, so many, I got someone new recently and was telling him some of these things. He said, I had no idea. He goes to a church out in Ohio. Never heard any of this. Never heard any of the history. Never knew anything about it. Never, never asked. But um, still, you'd think it would be available because it's healing. It's so important. You know how we value all of our books from these early workers. Absolutely, Mrs. Eddy's works are the most important. The Bible, prose works, science and health. We read them every day, always. But then these others are important, too because they tell us how she lived the science. So we have the Lord's Prayer in our lesson, and um, it's, again, this is something we should work with and use every day. It is powerful, what Mrs. Eddy says, what it meets all human needs, doesn't she? Um, And I had read, it was interesting, it it gave a little synopsis of of the... uh, the pattern of a, of a good prayer, which is in, in the Lord's Prayer. First, it's the adoration of God, acknowledging him, adoring him, yes, acknowledging him as the infinite one, as, as all, so important. And then um, submission to his will, which is also in the lesson this week, you know, Jesus said, not my will, but thine be done, submitting to even getting crucified. Are we willing to submit to his will, give all our hopes, plans, uh, everything to him? We, we have been taught here the prayer. If there is some heart's desire you might want, you might say that this is a heart's desire, but then you always end or thy will be done, Father. And if it's not God's will, you sure as heck don't want it. So always give it back to him. And then um, a petition for your needs. Give us today our daily bread. God gives you all that you need every day, step by step. Maybe not always what you want, but what you need. Um, And then sort of forgiving your debts <laughs> saying maybe I haven't done any everything right so give us our debts and then forgiving others most important you can't go to the throne of grace unless you've forgiven anyone you think has harmed or hurt you 
and then um, deliverance from evil, so to speak, deliverance from temptation, deliverance from believing that there is evil, the temptation that there is a power other than God. So, and then ending again with thine is the glory, uh, ending again powerfully with the statement of what and who God is. It's a it's a complete and total prayer. And I, I don't know. I think more and more I appreciate more and more as I use it more and more. And and then Mrs. Eddy's um, translation of it is just so beautiful. Um, and that word enable, enable us to know as in heaven, so on earth, God is omnipotent, supreme. To enable, we're asking God to help us know that God is supreme. Sometimes it's not always easy to know that he's supreme when you're seeing all this stuff going on. So it's so beautiful, right? It's just. Plus it gets bigger over time, what you realize. <laughs> right. Well, And it's totally practical. It applies to me. It applies to you. It applies to everybody. It's not separate from us. That's the key here. It hit me this week that I was too comfortable with the Lord's Prayer. And I was thinking to myself, this is literally the only prayer that Jesus gave his students, which is all of us. And and it really hit me too. It's like, no, this prayer came from Jesus. So this is designed to lift my thought to God. And I don't know, just that was one of the things that struck me reading the lesson is that it's it's so easy to become so comfortable with this prayer that you you kind of forget this is kind of, this is it. Thank you. I no, that that's what happened to me not not all, not all that long ago. I realized, holy Moses, I just say this thing all the time, but am I really thinking about what it means? Yeah. Thank you, Lenny. We don't want to get comfortable with anything, any of the word of God. That's why in the morning when you read the lesson, if you're just ho-hum about it, you got to slap yourself around and wake <laughs> up and say, no, this is the word of God. This is what's going to help me through the day. And and yes, don't don't get comfortable. Thank you. And um, yes, one of my writing friends who's not a Christian scientist, was alone in her stable. I guess she was grooming her horse. And this strange man came in and he was coming towards her looking very ominous. And she just turned toward him and started speaking aloud the Lord's Prayer. And before she got to the end, he turned around and walked away. And later when she reported it to the police, they said they were looking for a man of that description that had been raping women. So what a protection that was for her. There you are. There you are. I mean, yeah. yeah. Just just knowing these truths. And, you know, the lesson also talks about to pray without ceasing. Well, th this is what it is. I mean, I've heard some people say, and I, I know I thought it myself, well, that's impossible. You can't pray without ceasing. I mean, but you're always thinking something. And it's either of the father or it's of the human mind. So why not make it of the father? And and so you can, in fact, do that. There's a watching point about that. I forget which one it was, but it was about 
some woman who said whatever she's doing do you remember it whether she's you know cooking or making the fire or doing she, she was thinking about god whatever she was doing all the ministers would ever said wow that now that's true prayer that's true were prayer by her pray without ceasing yes um i would like to thank mm -hmm. the lesson writer for separating out the um or he's used to seeing the Lord's Prayer with the spiritual interpretation together in Science and Health. And in this lesson, we have the Bible, uh, where we have the Bible version, not version, but the Bible prayer, and then the spiritual interpretation separate. And I thought that was a really good thing to do. Yes. To, to take them separately. It was. I, thank you. Yeah, yes. Because it, it means more. It kind of, wow, look at that. <laughs> so. And, you know, thy kingdom is come. Thou art ever present to declare that. It is God. Kingdoms come. What Big Dell Young says, you're not going to be any closer to the kingdom than you are now or any closer to God. This is it, folks. Claim it. It's not some far off time. And then give us grace for today. Feed the famished affections. That's so beautiful because she's not talking about herself. She's not saying, I want bread for today, right? She turns it around. Give us grace for today. And that definition of grace, spirit or influence of God operating in man to strengthen and regenerate. And regenerate means to implant holy affections in the heart, a virtue of divine origin. I just, you know, implant holy affections in my heart um, and and God strengthen and, and allow this to happen to me. And then why? To feed the famished affections so I can go forth and bless others with it. Not just so, oh, I got my bread for today. Yippee-ki-oo. No, you've <laughs> given it to give it to others. And. And then, and God leadeth us not into temptation, but delivereth us from sin, disease, and death. And I love that. He delivers us from wanting to believe there's some other power than him. And I did skip over. Love is reflected in love. You will get back what you give out. When you love everyone, love people, see the child of God, it will come back to you. So... It's a powerful prayer to work with, um, and it covers all human needs. So the other thing, well, there's a lot of things I liked, but this, this in Science and Health, a little paragraph on page 15, in order to pray right, what do you do? You enter into the closet and shut the door. Get quiet. Close the lips and silence the material senses. Shut up. <laughs> Turn off the television. Yeah, and all that Turn stuff off the radio. going off in your head about this, that, and other thing, what happened yesterday and what you want to do tomorrow. Turn it all off. In the quiet sanctuary of earnest longings, it's got to be earnest, you deny sin and plead God's allness. Here we are again. Unless you start from that basic premise of God being all, you, you're starting amiss. You have to start with that. That was the watch Mrs. Eddy had in her home, the first watch. It handles fear. 
everyone had to pray that they knew God was all and there was nothing else that established the atmosphere in her home so she could do the work needed to be done. And then we must resolve to take up the cross. You've got to be willing to maybe do some things that's not popular in this world and maybe get some kickback for it. Got to be willing to take up that cross, follow in the Christ footsteps. If everyone likes you, there's something wrong. Okay. <laughs> if everyone likes you, it means you're not doing anything worthwhile. <laughs> if you're doing something worthwhile, guaranteed, somebody's not going to like it. So be willing to, to go there and take the heat. That's it. You know, all this fear, as we talk about many times, fear of malpractice and fear of this and that. And so they don't do anything. If, you, if you're starting off on the premise that God is all, where, what's this malpractice about? <laughs> you know, you power to something that doesn't have power. You, Florence, did you say something? No, I just said aim to please God only when you please all those who count. I think that's what Mrs. Edmund used to say. Yes. And then to go forth with honest hearts to work, watch, and pray for wisdom, truth, and love. And hey, pray without ceasing. I just think that is so wonderful. Um, so if anyone wonders what it should look like, there it is, right there for us. And I don't know, there are a few other things. I hope I get to everything. Um, I, I found that the major statement, uh, give us grace for the day, is the recipe for being able to do every, all, everything else that we come across during the day. Because when we come across somebody who doesn't like us, and always re or something we don't, they don't like what we're doing, it requires a step up in my love in order to get through it. Absolutely. You Instead love right. more. And you see them seeing you right and not seeing you wrong. That's some boogeyman out there. No, mm -hmm. only God. And if they don't get it now, they'll get it sometime. But only love. That's all there is. Thank you, Craig. And I love this in the lesson, too. I have found divine truth more important, more potent than all other remedies. And why not? <laughs> why not? Since mine, God is a source and condition of all existence. I mean, what better source do we go to for healing? Why not him who made you? He knows everything about you. I love that. The source and condition of all existence. And to go along with that, and this is, there's this wonderful uh, article. It's been on our website in the carousel, I believe. Healing is Practiced by Jesus by Samuel Greenwood. It's a long article, but it is so important because it brings it back. Right now, when Materia Medica is so big, um, everybody's going to the doctors. This says, why? Why? When God is a source of all of your being and condition of all being. So we've got to know this in our hearts and we can turn things around. Now, there's one other thing. On a different note that I did want to touch on anyway, something that um, Suzanne had sent me, uh, and it, it's written by a Naomi Wolf, who I had to look her up. But anyway, she's a feminist. But she says 
some very wise things here in an article called Have the Ancient Gods Returned? Too few seem to understand how dangerous to a nation, to a civilization, abandoning God can be. I feel that both many Jews and many Christians are at risk right now of unduly positive thinking, of thinking that everything is okay. My point being that our forefathers, for both faith traditions, Jewish and Christian, understood that a covenant and the definition of covenant, the promise of God to man, that man's perfect obedience should entitle him to happiness. Understood that a covenant involving God's blessing and protection took action from both the Lord and from his people to be in effect. It was not an eternal hall pass. <laughs> the devotion to Judeo-Christian norms and values, which have been the hallmark of the West for two millennia, has fallen apart. So it turns out that we no longer as a nation, as the West, consecrated to God, and that leaves us vulnerable to the reemergence of negative entities that our ancestors well knew. The great genius of America was not that it was consecrated to a specific religion. The great genius of our nation included freedom of religion. But our distinction was that we were founded as a city on a hill, spiritually. We were consecrated in our ultimate organizational manifestation of human freedom with its basis in free will to God. And that our founders in this nation, though rightly establishing religious freedom for all, absolutely believed that they were consecrating and finding a nation in alignment to the will of and commitment to the principles of God as they understood him, the biblical God. So this is it. And this is why our work is so important, because it would seem like all this is disappearing, but we know it cannot. And then it goes on. And I've told some of you this, um, and we're working on it in watches and things, that there is this convention in, in Boston, the end of April, of, of Satanists. And it's sold out. OK. And they, they chose Boston, Boston of all places, because the mayor there uh, refused to have them build a temple or do some other thing in the city. So this is their sort of payback. So we say the hell you say. <laughs> and this will this will only bring great blessings. We will turn it around. God's presence and power there. Uh, it's a holy place with. You know, Mrs. Eddie's establishing her church there, and it cannot be defiled, and nothing can enter that defileth or maketh a lie. So, just wanted you all to know that and be working on it. So, um, well, now I found this other thing. Oh, well. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yep. Gary's telling me it's time to go. So, we will end on this beautiful beautiful article excerpts from an article also that uh dear carrie sent to me this is by uh imogene moore from the march 1913 journal it's an excerpt in the 14th chapter of mark's gospel we have the most detailed account of jesus last hours with his disciples before his crucifixion in graphic words, 
we find portrayed his struggle in the Garden of Gethsemane, his prayer for deliverance, his touching appeal to Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldst not thou watch one hour? Then comes the command, watch ye and pray, which was given more than once. We are told that he came the third time and found them asleep again. He said, sleep on now and take your rest. What pathos lies within these few words? What might have been the outcome had there never been occasion for Jesus to have uttered them? Oh, that the disciples had overcome the inclination to yield to the senses and that they had watched with him who never gave a useless command. Would the cup then have passed from him? Or would that grand, mighty victory over the grave have been more wonderful still? It seems a dreadful thing to be asleep at so vital a time. Even though no event of this tragedy was altered, had the disciples seen the importance of obedient work at this time, might it not have added much to Jesus' joy to have known that those whom he had been so faithfully teaching had been loyal to the end? Who of us does not think he would have done better than did those, these disciples? That he would have watched and have given all of self to have lessened, if only one, by one drop, Jesus' cup of sorrow. <clears throat> But do not the opportunities of our own day give us every needed chance to show how faithful we would have been? Have we not the eternal Christ ever with us? And is not error ever seeking to betray and crucify the God idea? Are we awake to the need of watching and praying that we enter not into temptation? Are we guarding the idea of truth in all its activities? The Christ idea is being unfolded to us through the church services, the Christian science literature, and in many other ways. Are we seeing to it that nothing is neglected which may help us or our fellow men to be better understanding of God? Until we are sure that we are awake along these lines, we are giving the world no proof that we too would not have slept in the Garden of Gethsemane. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.